You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears are very good at drawing you back in in the second half just to come up short again for the fourth straight game. Welcome into the Locked On Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today we are, of course, looking over the Bears' loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, trying to explore this dynamic between Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky, where everything seems to be going wrong, but also looking across the roster at a number of guys that aren't contributing to the level of talent that we should be able to expect based on what we've seen before. And we'll also touch on the former Bears in this game that were able to make some plays against their old team. When the Bears offense finishes the first half with nine total yards on 20 offensive plays with two first downs, obviously the problems with the offense are well spread out throughout the entire offense. And certainly a lot of that goes to the quarterback and it goes to the play caller. And that's where it should start, but it certainly does not end with those guys. And as we sort of talk about this first half and think back through it, I'm I'm struggling still with the dynamic of how much of this is a bad Mitchell Trubisky and how much of this is poor play calling from Matt Nagy. And I still remain of the belief that Matt Nagy is feeling limited in his ability to call certain plays at certain times because of the quarterback that he has under center and that he's not fully opening up his playbook in the way that he would with a better quarterback. But I also feel as though the plays that he is calling and sort of the way that he's trying to call things with Mitchell Trubisky isn't working. And it's hard to know exactly what to do to work, but clearly, especially in the first half there, it was not. And I think there's an important distinction when we talk about Matt Nagy's play calling. And I think the thing to keep in mind is that it's not so much specifically the isolated plays that this play call here on this specific play, was that a good play or not? But I think the the real question is more about order of plays and game flow and game situation of plays. It's not whether the play itself is a good play, but is it the right play for that down and distance, for that situation in the game, for that field position, for that personnel, and of course, for that quarterback and what the team is going through in that moment. And I think that's where more of the criticism for Matt Nagy is valid, that I think he's limited in what kind of plays he can call, but he can also do a better job of calling the plays he can call in ways that will be most effective for this offense. And he talked after the game about how the repeated three and outs were problematic because it was it was hard for him as a play caller and for the offense because they kept getting negative yards. And the first drive, it was a three-yard loss on their second run, put him in third and nine for an incomplete pass on third down and a punt. 
Then on the second drive, Mitchell Trubisky was sacked on the first play for a four-yard loss, so they were working from behind the sticks as well. Third drive, it was a holding penalty on Cordell Patterson that gave them first and 20, and then they eventually got to third and eight where Trubisky was sacked, and they punted again. And then after that first play, false start. They're again on first and long, which leads to a punt. And it was really hard for them to just get out of their own way, which when it's a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of that is players not named Mitchell Trubisky. And and this is not a defense of Mitchell Trubisky, but it is a uh, important note to bear in mind that these problems do go far beyond the quarterback. And, and as bad as Mitchell Trubisky has, hit, has been, you know, when Montgomery loses three yards on his first run of the game, or, you know, someone is called for holding or uh, a false start, you know, that's Adam Shaheen false starting. I believe it was a it's listed in the game book as Cordell Patterson holding. I believe it was on the edge. And I know later Charles Leno was dinged for holding and all these penalties and all these different things going on around Trubisky. It makes Matt Nagy's job a lot harder and it makes Mitchell Trubisky's job a lot harder. And when you have a team playing as sloppy as that, to me, sloppy play, it goes back to the coaching staff and sort of the discipline that this staff is supposed to instill in this team. And good teams don't have penalty problems. Good teams don't come out sloppy. It doesn't mean you're scoring touchdowns on every single drive, but sort of the baseline of a competent team is not shooting yourself in the foot and getting out of your own way so that at least if you're having three and outs and you're having missed offensive plays, it's because the defense is doing something. But for the majority of this game, it really felt like the Bears were beating the Bears and the Eagles were just along for the ride. The Bears just can't get any of their offensive success to last. And lasting a long time is a problem a lot of people have. Thankfully, the folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to lasting longer. Roman Swipes are clinically proven, easy to use, and fast acting, but don't require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes to you in a discreet, unmarked package, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. And swipes are great because they won't transfer to your partner, so you can last longer without worrying. They're super easy to use. Just take swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. That's it. And right now, you can get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N, GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL for $10 off and free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. The Bears have more than enough blame to go around when the team sits at 3-5 and five after eight games, already having more losses than they did all of last season. And as you start to make the list of Bears players who aren't performing very well, you certainly get down to not very many that are performing well on the opposite side of the spectrum. And as you sort of take a bigger step back and look at this team, that blame, I think, starts to work its way up the ladder a little bit. And of course, Ryan Pace's name starts to get thrown in this discussion in terms of the Bears' ability to evaluate talent and build a championship contender, which obviously they failed at at this point. This this team is not contending for a championship. The playoffs are pretty much out of the picture, although I don't think mathematically not yet, but no one is expecting any kind of postseason trip at this point. So clearly, a lot of people have not done their job to the extent that they needed to. A lot of that 
comes down to the evaluation of the quarterbacks in that 2017 draft. But especially as this game went on, it became apparent that that entire 2017 draft class was really failing on Sunday. And not that all of the players are now permanently failures, but in a draft class that only had five guys and a draft class that initially looked like maybe Ryan Pace's best gem yet, boy, there were really problems from everybody involved. Of course, it starts with Mitchell Trubisky and missing easy open throws. He made a couple of throws that also weren't completed that were good throws. Allen Robinson had the the sideline where he ended up just barely out of bounds. And then the other one where he was, he lost it as he was going to the ground. It was a contested catch. And, and, you know, those were better throws from Mitchell Trubisky, but still way too inaccurate and, and certainly not anywhere close to looking like a number two overall pick at the quarterback position. But Adam Shaheen, your second round pick at 45th overall at tight end, the the small school division two raw prospect, the Ryan Pace thought he found something there that no one else had seen or no one else was willing to take a risk on. He, of course, has no real positive impact visible in the game, and his negative impact was very visible on the last time any Bears player touched the ball on the kickoff at the end where the Eagles kicked it short to Adam Shaheen, who proceeded to fumble it and turn the ball over and essentially end the game. And we were joking on Twitter afterward that you know, Mitch had no chance of actually leading a comeback drive with 25 seconds left. So Adam Shaheen actually just was being a good teammate and didn't want Mitchell Trubisky to get the, the criticism of failing to lead a comeback drive there. So Shaheen fumbled it. He took the blame and didn't even give Mitchell Trubisky the chance to miss on a 25-second miracle comeback drive. So good for Adam Shaheen taking the bullet for his teammate and just being a good teammate for his draft class buddy. But in all seriousness, Three years after drafting Shaheen in the second round, he still doesn't look like a consistent NFL player and a guy who's going to struggle to have a sustained career in the NFL. But we knew coming into this game that Trubisky was struggling and Shaheen was producing nothing. But it was the two fourth-round picks, the two guys that we sort of thought were solid, reliable players that really disappointed against the Eagles, Eddie Jackson and Tariq Cohen. In that first half especially, Eddie Jackson looked disinterested in playing in that game. There were multiple business decisions. There was the late hit out of bounds that put the Philadelphia Eagles up on the 13-yard line. And then the very next play, a handoff to Jordan Howard right up the middle. Eddie Jackson's there right by the hole and just kind of decides, eh, not going to try too hard on that one and let Jordan Howard rush in for the touchdown to start the third quarter and make the lead 19 to 0. It was not a good game at all from Eddie Jackson. I believe there was uh, at least one missed tackle in there from him as well and not his finest day in coverage either. Not that he was totally, you know, completely terrible, but PFF has him with two missed tackles. He has a penalty in there as well and just not particularly physical in run defense until things started picking up a little bit for the Bears, and then he kind of got some of his energy back and tried to lower the boom on Jordan Howard and still got ran over, but that, that's beside the point. Not the Eddie Jackson that we've been used to seeing all season and, and really the worst Eddie Jackson we may have seen up to this point and not the, not the Pro Bowl caliber player we saw last season. And then Tariq Cohen. Seems like 
he's allergic to going up the field and, and working, you know, north to south. And when he catches the ball, he's always going straight for the sidelines. And we were also joking on Twitter after the game, too, that I feel like Tariq Cohen has run more yards horizontally this season than vertically. I, I'm sure NFL's next-gen stats tracks distance traveled by ball carriers. And, man, when Tariq Cohen catches that ball, he's always working for the sidelines. He ends up gaining two yards and running 12 to get there. And if he would just take the yards that were in front of him, he might get three or four instead of two. And not that that makes it a great play, but it's better than what they've been getting from him. I mean, he had one punt return that went a little over 20 yards, and the rest was just abysmal from the running back. And I have problems with how Matt Nagy has utilized him in the offense too much as a receiver matched up with cornerbacks and not doing enough to get him matched up with linebackers in coverage where he can have a mismatch. But we haven't really had a game where Tariq Cohen was a major impact for this team outside of a punt return here or there. But offensively, he's largely been stifled for the entire year. And it just sort of adds up to a really disappointing game and and honestly disappointing season for that Bears 2017 draft class. And when you even start to expand it to like the rest of the homegrown talent on this Bears team, how many draft picks of Ryan Paces right now are really making strong positive impacts? Eddie Goldman, yes. Leonard Floyd is starting and playing okay, so maybe give him that one. Cody Whitehair, sure. Uh, that takes care of your first two draft classes, not getting much from anyone else there. Then the 2017 class we just talked about, Last year's rookies, sure, Roquan Smith, James Daniels, yes, Anthony Miller, some, Bilal Nichols, some, I guess, and then this year, it's just David Montgomery, and the Bears really have a shortage of homegrown talent playing up to a high level and really getting that cycle of young players getting better, and some of that, I'm sure, goes to the coaching staff as far as player development and putting guys in the best position to be successful. Some of the younger guys, the jury is certainly still out, so I'm not writing off any of the the most recent draft picks, but as we start to get three plus years into their careers, boy, we've got some real question marks about a lot of guys, and not a lot of guys are panning out, and that all starts pointing back to the general manager that went all in on this quarterback and has made some bold decisions in the draft, some of which have paid out, some of which have not. Some of his decisions have helped the Philadelphia Eagles, for example. We'll check in on the former Bears and what they were able to do against Chicago next on Locked On Bears. We talked with Louis DiBiase on the crossover podcast with Locked On Eagles about how Jordan Howard was either going to have a big game or get shut down. I thought he was either going to have his way with his Bears run defense and really run all over his former team, or his former team was going to step up and really shut down everything he wanted to do and sort of establish themselves as the dominant force. And clearly from the start, the Eagles' offensive line was winning in the trenches, and Jordan Howard was the primary benefactor of that. And he and Miles Sanders averaged about the same terms of yards per carry. They, they were both having some success, but it was Howard who had more success and certainly had uh, more opportunities to do so. And it was very textbook Jordan Howard. It looked like the Jordan Howard we had seen on the Bears in, in 2017 and, and, you know, his rookie season as well, and sort of early in his career when he was sort of the tone setter, physical running hard energy behind it. And we didn't see that Jordan Howard so much last season with the writing sort of on the wall and his role up in the air in Matt Nagy's system. But I, I come back to this idea that 
you know, Doug Peterson's running pretty much the same system. And he's finding a way for Jordan Howard to be successful. And yet, Matt Nagy struggled to do so. And, you know, so when you start talking about, oh, well, did the Bears make a mistake trading Jordan Howard? Well, you know, I, I don't think that the compensation was very significant. You know, the, the conditional fifth-round pick or whatever it might end up being. So in some sense, they got so little for him, it's hard to call it the right move. But I don't think if Jordan Howard was running in Chicago in lieu of David Montgomery you would have significantly better results in your running game. There would be times when Jordan Howard could lower his shoulder pads and and pick up a few extra yards here and there after contact that, you know, you kind of got to appreciate from his running style. But there is certainly more explosiveness and elusiveness from David Montgomery that you're not getting with Jordan Howard and Howard's certainly uh, taking advantage of some very good run blocking in Philadelphia as well, but still create a lot of yards after contact. PFF gave him four missed tackles forced in the game, which was, again, credit to some sloppy defense and sloppy tackling attempts from the Bears. But, you know, the Eagles just did what Jordan Howard likes. You know, you kind of run him under center a little bit, let him work downhill. Don't make him have to think all too much in terms of where he's running the ball, not that you're just pilot, you know, running him into a pile over and over again, but just kind of keeping things simple and, and doing what he likes. I mean, we knew Jordan Howard was always more comfortable running sort of the, the zone type of run concepts. And, and that's what Doug Peterson went to. They, they ran some power here and there. They weren't totally predictable. The, very, the vast majority inside zone, outside zone, and particularly those stretch outside zone runs were where he found his two longest runs of the game. And then his third longest run was on inside zone. And generally that was where his success came. It was a lot of under center, not as much success in the shotgun, which again was something Matt Nagy was trying to do with him and a little bit of the square peg round hole syndrome there. And it's just, you know, it's, it's nice to see Jordan Howard playing well and, and being appreciated in Philadelphia and kind of nestling into a role that's fitting for him that just wasn't quite uh, allowed for him in Chicago. Whereas Alshon Jeffrey in this game, really rough against his former team, doing the Bears quite a few favors, uh, particularly late in that game. You know, it was a lot of Alshon Jeffrey versus Kyle Fuller, and it wasn't that Kyle Fuller was necessarily shutting him down, but Kyle Fuller certainly benefited from some poor hands and concentration from Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Pro Football Focus charted Alshon with three drops. He had four catches and three drops on his eight targets. So the passes were all pretty accurate. He was just struggling to reel them in. Two of those drops came against Kyle Fuller and one against Prince of Mukamara. So those certainly could have swung the the stats in terms of the pass yardage and receiving yardage in vastly different directions, which is why I, I don't I don't want to give Kyle Fuller too much credit there because there were opportunities for Alshon. He just wasn't holding on to them. And there were a couple of times when maybe Fuller's coverage helped lead to those drops, which, of course, you know, you want to give Kyle Fuller some credit to. But, you know, had those been catches and Kyle Fuller just tackled them right there, you know, maybe, maybe it wouldn't feel as impressive in those moments. So it, it was not the, even the Alshon Jeffrey that we had seen like last year in the playoff game. Like I kind of thought with Alshon, he was going to get some of his catches. You know, he knows that. Kyle Fuller's going to give him some of that space off the line of scrimmage, and he's going to know how to take advantage of that here and there, but Fuller's going to be able to be aggressive at the catch point as well. And like last year in the wildcard game, six, six catches for 82 yards with a long of 30, and we, we didn't really have that downfield play for Alshon Jeffrey. There weren't a lot of those like 
use his size jump ball. It was much more like underneath possession receiver type role in this game, which it worked for the Eagles. I mean, they won. It's not a criticism of them at all, but it was much more, of course, a Zach Ertz focused offense over the middle, and they didn't need Alshon to necessarily be a big play guy. They thought they might be getting that from Deshaun Jackson, but uh, we're not in this game. But it was it was not Alshon Jeffries doing that that led these Philadelphia Eagles to success. And, and the Bears certainly, I think, can walk away feeling pretty good about how they handled their former wide receiver, and they'll certainly appreciate the help he gave this defense, especially at the end there on third down, uh, letting the Bears get the ball back with an opportunity to keep their drives going. The whole thing leaves the Bears in a really tough spot here, and I know it's not easy for you at home watching and going through this, but you can trust that Locked On Bears will be right here by your side all season long, no matter what happens with this team. So make sure you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow at Locked On Bears on Twitter. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook or even join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for more discussion with your fellow Chicago Bears fans. But really the best thing you can do to help the podcast if you are so inclined is to just tell a fellow Bears fan about the show. Because you know your friends aren't having any more fun with this team than you are. And I think one of the best ways to keep powering through a difficult portion of the season is to band together and bear down.